0: I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. When it comes to the blue zones and these primitive populations, they have all kinds of other things in common that promote healthy living, like uh, walking for several miles a day and having good social interaction and staying away from all the stressors and the health destruction elements. It's an obvious insight. Uh, By the way, keto, low-carb, time-restricted feeding, all these turn on stress hormones If you uh, diligently starve yourself or uh, minimize carbohydrate intake to the extreme, the keto guideline is 50 grams per day or below, your body is going to make these wonderful byproducts in the liver called ketone bodies. I want to tell you about WildHealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine whether Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash brad or use the code brad20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com brad. Greetings and welcome to part two of this multi-part series about optimizing your animal-based diet. And on this show, I want to focus on these two major shifts in my approach, my strategy, and my belief systems that have occurred in recent years. One of them is going to be 2019 with my first exposure to the carnivore rationale, thanks to Dr. Paul Saladino, as well as people like Dr. Sean Baker, Amber O'Hearn, Michaela Peterson, other leaders of the carnivore uh, approach. And then uh, more recently in May of 2022, my first exposure to Jay Feldman and his wonderful Energy Balance podcast, and then of course our uh, couple interviews on the B-Rad show and my multi-part series of reflections on Jay's message that have compelled me to make some major shifts. Part one was just mainly talking about going from what's possible to focusing on optimal going up from level five to level seven, level seven or level nine. We talked about eliminating processed foods. Uh, We talked a little bit at the end about uh, fat loss strategies and how those fit in and some of the rationale for uh, emphasizing an animal-based approach. Uh, But uh, prior to May 2019, when I first heard Paul Saladino on his epic interview with Ben Greenfield, because Dr. Paul presented this very compelling premise that plant foods are unnecessary. They don't contribute uh, to the nutrient density in a meaningful manner in comparison to the true superfoods of the planet that are found in the animal kingdom. They're unnecessary, not only that, possibly unhealthy. And that prompted a deep dive into uh, these ideas that were just emerging at that time. And essentially, what I consider to be A lifetime course correction uh, from emphasizing plants and we've always said that in the primal blueprint and other books uh, we've talked about how uh, plants should uh, be represent the bulk of your diet not the bulk of the calories but the uh, big space on the plate and make that effort to uh, You know centerpiece your daily eating habits around a salad and stir fried vegetables and putting these uh, wonderful colorful plant foods at the centerpiece and then of course with the primal paleo rationale we're also uh, including uh, the many nutrient-dense animal foods in a well-balanced diet free from processed foods Uh, but this was a um, a fork in the road basically um, the message was taken by many to be extreme and radical, uh, but it seems to be spot on in many ways, particularly that it's difficult to dispute that animal foods are by far the most nutrient-dense, and the plant superstars uh, essentially pale in comparison when you take uh, the, the animal foods, uh, the pastured eggs, the organ meats, the no tail consumption strategy, um, and... Put those into a ranking system or under a microscope and look at the nutrient density, for example, uh, from a slice, a four-ounce slice of liver versus a salad or a kale smoothie or some brown rice and lentil soup. And there's just simply no comparison. And it's difficult for a diet-in-the-wool, Whole Foods plant-based eater to contend otherwise when we're talking about nutrition and biochemistry. Um, Of course, it gets confusing and controversial as we wade further downstream, Uh, but I think that opening insight that animal foods represent the nutrient density, they are the centerpiece of human evolution. And in fact, the reason that we were able to branch away from our plant-chewing apes that are not as smart as us was the access to the most nutrient-dense foods that came from hunting, that came from fishing, came from the ability to cook. So we got smarter and smarter due to our access to nutrient-dense foods, due strongly to that. Um, again, this is uh, ancestral health, evolutionary biology that are not like Brad's ideas. Um, it's just kind of observing human evolution. Okay, so that's how we grew these larger, more complex brains that allowed us to rise to the top of the food chain. Um, For some reason, uh, with the recent propaganda and dogma, uh, a a good segment of society has kind of put that aside or put that insight onto the back burner. So, humans are indeed classified as omnivores, not carnivores, right? Uh, Your dog should be eating meat only because your dog descends from uh, a line of carnivores, and the human is capable of eating a more varied diet uh, but Dr. Saladino and others make a very compelling case that plants represent survival foods or obligatory consumption of plants when meat was not sufficient. I love Dr. Sean Baker's uh, clever quip where he was talking about our ancestral experience and he said uh, if the uh, if the prehistoric ancestor uh, were able to take down a woolly mammoth that represents around 3 million calories that it would have fed a large clan for many weeks or months without the need to go scrambling around and walking seven miles a day to uh, hunt and gather the, uh, the various plant foods that were also uh, evidence shows that humans were able to consume those as well. And again, back to show number one, where I draw that distinction at the outset of comparing between what is possible, and what is optimal, and my argument to focus on what is optimal, that's when I continue to listen rather than tune out and go, what are these freaks talking about? Um, So what is optimal today is uh, arguably, right, an animal-based diet and the colorful, nutritious plant foods of the planet. Uh, We are obligated to choose very carefully to Uh, minimize concerns and minimize exposure to these natural plant toxins that appear to be causing um, some mild to significant to major problems in a large swath of the population. Um, And then in in, in tandem with that, we are compelled to reject this extremely flawed and dated uh, and propaganda-like assertions from mainstream authorities like uh, American Heart Association and the U.S. government that consuming red meat will give us cancer and eggs will cause heart attacks due to all the cholesterol. These uh, ideas have been strongly disproven, and if you're listening to this show, you're probably okay with me uh, railing on and making some of these assertions that um, people have spent their life's work on, uh, not only to uh, to prove otherwise and to unwind some of this flawed propaganda and messaging that we've been uh, subjected to for many decades, uh, but also to go, to go really deep and explain what's really going on. For example, the, uh, the flawed uh, lipid hypothesis of heart disease that we've been programmed with for all of my life, where um, you, you eat too much fat, you eat too much cholesterol, uh, it starts to build up in your arteries, and you get a heart attack and die. And if anyone is still hanging on by a thread saying, well, wait, my doctor says this, or uh, this recent uh, headline article on the internet or in the newspaper said that uh, extra red meat consumption uh, does indeed uh, shorten lifespan, or hey, uh, the blue zones is really super popular. And what do all blue zones have in common? A plant-based diet diet. End of story. I heard that actual quote or something near it uh, from another podcast that's known to promote that uh, plant-based lifestyle. And it was a little disturbing because uh, while it may be uh, valid that these cherry-picked populations that tend to live a long time consume a lot of plants, uh, there's this thing called healthy user bias that you might have heard Uh, People mentioned here and there, uh, scientists talking about how uh, people that eat a lot of plants uh, may also have a greater concern for health than people that live on fast food and don't bother to go Uh, make an effort that they've been told is healthy. And then when it comes to the blue zones and these primitive populations, they have all kinds of other things in common that promote uh, healthy living, like uh, walking for several miles a day and having good social interaction and staying away from all the stressors and the health destruction elements of uh, advanced, uh, highly civilized populations. So um, same with a lot of uh, observational studies, they're called, where they take a certain population, they ask them uh, about their dietary habits, and then they draw these strong conclusions uh, without uh, really considering um, all the other variables in place, and including uh, things like exercise and other healthy lifestyle practices. So um, anyway, the, the knocks against animal food animal-based diet have been strongly disproven probably uh, most profoundly by the scientific study known as human evolution. So it's the longest and most severe and the most scrutinized scientific study in history. It's lasted for a couple million years, and we realized that humans evolved uh, by getting access to these uh, nutrient-dense animal foods. Uh, So what about plants um, this is the, the the new information that I learned uh, from Saladino and others, and the, the centerpiece idea, if you haven't heard of any of this before, I'll summarize quickly that plants contain natural toxins, and these toxins are designed to uh, ward off predators. Uh, so just like the Uh, Creatures that move around the earth and have various capabilities to uh, try to avoid predators. Plants, since they can't run around or run away from predators, they produce these toxins to deter um, other organisms from consuming them. And this is simple, basic elementary uh, botany and uh, evolutionary biology. So uh, it happens that these toxins uh, deliver... A variety of health boosting benefits, and that's why uh, we contend that plants are super nutritious, but they come with side effects. Dr. Saladino calls them package inserts because that's what you call it when you uh, take a prescription drug and you have the little piece of paper in there that talks in detail about the side effects. So in general, uh, the more uh, nutritious, the higher antioxidant uh, benefit from the plant, the more toxic it is. Uh, for example, Dr. Rhonda Patrick talking about her beloved broccoli sprouts and doing uh, YouTube videos uh, going into deep scientific detail about how uh, this amazing, amazing agent called sulforaphane is present in broccoli sprouts to a great extent, thereby making broccoli sprouts like the ultimate superfood of the planet. And it's not wrong that consuming sulforaphane and all the other wonderful plant Uh, compounds will prompt An antioxidant defense response by the body. So what's happening? And this is the part that I'm so embarrassed uh, and ashamed to say that I didn't really understand. I thought from my layperson's perspective, even though I'm a health professional, uh, that when you grabbed a handful of blueberries and swallowed them, you were actually swallowing antioxidant agents that went in and did wonderful things in your body. Same with the the stalks of broccoli that you consume during the meal. But what's actually happening is you are consuming the poisons contained in these plants your body experiences those and mounts an internal antioxidant defense response so the liver the control tower for the dispensation of nutrients throughout the body and the detoxification of things that you eat such as alcohol in the familiar example the liver recognizes these plant toxins and the poisons that are coming down the pipeline and it starts making high levels of Uh, for example, the master internal antioxidant glutathione, and that's where you get the antioxidant benefit. It's from the body's internal antioxidant response, not directly from the plant poison. So what we're talking about here is what's labeled plant hormesis. That's a stressor that prompts a net positive health benefit. And Dr. Paul does a good job comparing and contrasting plant hormesis, that is the hormesis caused by ingesting plants, with other areas where we can get a similar benefit. uh, He calls them environmental hormesis. So this would be things like uh, jumping into the cold tub, going into a sauna, doing a sprint workout, or another intense strength training session. These two will uh, create Some uh, free radical production, reactive oxygen species in the bloodstream. And then the body responds by coming back stronger by neutralizing the damaging effects of these stressors to become a stronger, more resilient organism. Uh, My former podcast guest, Dr. Casey Means, uh, she is a proclaimed uh, vegetarian uh, ketogenic eater. Uh, That is Pretty far removed from me, especially with my recent experiment to uh, consume extra carbs, not go anywhere near keto, and certainly not go anywhere near vegan. Uh, But we're friends. I have a lot of respect for her, and she has some great points along these lines that I'd like to bring in. Here's a quote from her We can encourage autophagy. That's that wonderful, natural, cellular, internal cellular detoxification process where we clean up damaged cellular material and damaged proteins before they can cause trouble like. um, Start into cancer. We can encourage autophagy, Casey says, through increased sirtuin gene expression, S I R T U I N. This gene expression can be activated by a number of different mechanisms, including hyperthermia, that's sauna, calorie deprivation, fasting, cold thermogenesis, exercise, optimized circadian rhythms, and intake of plant polyphenols. So while some might want to go take an ice bath, another might choose to up their quercetin and resveratrol. You've probably heard of those agents. They are popular supplements. Uh, they are touted as uh, being some of the benefits of things like drinking wine, has uh, high levels of resveratrol, grapes, whatever. Um, so while some might want to take an ice bath, someone else might want to choose their to increase their quercetin and resveratrol intake through plant foods. So with Dr. Casey eating in this ketogenic vegan pattern she acknowledges that she's tested and refined her eating patterns to ensure that her diet is doing her a solid rather than being a chronic stressor or tearing up her gut lining because she is uh, excessively sensitive to uh, the the plant toxins contained in the kale smoothie or the salad uh, for a lot of us out there without that high level of sophistication it's really important to, perhaps isolate uh, some of these different variables and these different uh, stressors to make sure that we are not digging ourselves a hole and for example experiencing health destruction due to our intake of natural plant toxins. So for me when I was exposed to this information started digging deeper um, I'm of the camp where if you tell me something is better for me and healthier for me, I'll do it. I'm not uh, desperately wedded to my bowl of pasta or my bread that I need to keep that in my life if someone suggests something that is more optimal. So the idea of greatly restricting or eliminating plant foods, especially in my case, when I was going to town, having that big ass salad every day as promoted by Mark Sisson, and having a uh, big, huge piles of vegetable stir fry where I'd buy the huge stocks of kale and celery and spinach And beets and slice them up and fry them in a pan and and make a concerted effort to consume these foods every day in the name of health. Sure, I enjoyed them because I spiced the heck out of them and put a lot of butter on them. And I've heard another uh, clever uh, podcast quip recently where uh, someone said, name a vegetable you really like if you're not allowed to put butter all over it. (laughs) And it's like broccoli. Oh, Nope, Uh, spinach, nope. Okay, so that's a funny one. But again, we do have to um, kind of dress these things up to proclaim them to be uh, sensationally delicious, right? So if you're having trouble saying, okay, I'm gonna ditch my salads and my stir fry and just uh, include more eggs and steak and liver and oily cold water fish in my diet as the centerpiece, um, having difficulty... Uh, reconciling the idea that animal foods are vastly more nutrient dense than plant foods. And then you might uh, wield your articles and your book content from uh, trusted sources saying that uh, carrots and other uh, orange and yellow foods are rich in beta carotene, which is great for eyesight and many other things. Um, Dr. Paul makes a good uh, distinction here. And again, all referencing good science that when you have beta carotene and you ingest that, it requires a very complex chain of chemical reactions to convert into a usable form of vitamin A by the body. And the fully formed uh, type of vitamin A is called retinol. And when you consume liver, it's extremely high in fully formed vitamin A retinol as are other organ meats and animal foods. Liver, in fact, has 700% of the RDA for vitamin A. And Paul cites research that the beta carotene that you consume from whatever, your acai bowl or your carrot salad, uh, it requires 21 times more complex chemical reaction to convert to equal amounts of usable vitamin A. And there's so many examples across the plant kingdom versus the animal kingdom. For example, the popular plant proteins, which... I'm absolutely shocked that these things have become so popular because when it comes to protein, it's quite obvious that the animal foods represent the best source of protein and that you really have to work hard to get your protein needs met from the plant kingdom. That's what food combining is all about, where you have to put together uh, rice and beans to get all the essential amino acids in there, and then the conversion rates and the Uh, ability to extract the protein that you need from a a, a plant-based diet is vastly more complex and challenging. And so when you're talking about um, buying a pea protein Uh, at the store, and the amount of processing necessary to get that powdered form of pea protein, first of all, can be highly offensive and involve uh, high temperature processing, chemical agents, things like that, and then talking about consuming vastly more scoops of pea protein than, for example, taking uh, the gold standard, the, the, the highest rated source of supplemental protein, which is whey protein. Um, why not? I guess it's in the name of avoiding all animal products and making that moral stance. And again, that's fine. Everyone's allowed to to, to choose the, the type of foods that they want to consume in the diet. But if you're doing it in the name of health improvement and trying to make an argument that the pea protein or the soy protein or the other forms of plant protein are any way comparable to a a top animal-based protein like whey protein, um, there's just absolutely no justification for that, just as a side note. Okay, now at the risk of coming off too biased, I want to bring in some alternative opinions here from respected, very popular people like Dr. Josh Axe, who I had on my show. Um, He is an advocate of healthy, nutritious eating. He's not in the carnivore camp nor in the plant-based camp. And he created a list of Dr. Axe's top 30 most nutrient-dense foods. And I'm going to rip through it really quickly uh, because uh, I don't know what uh, ranking system or um, what rationale or criteria that he used, but you'll uh, see some cameos from a lot of the animal food superstars as found on my carnivore scores chart. But he also puts a ton of different plant foods in there that are widely regarded to be nutritious and have high levels of Uh, these different uh, touted agents, antioxidants, polyphenols, and so forth. So I'm going to read the list and then I'll have some comments as a follow-up. So number one, seaweed. Number two, liver. Then we go down the list. Kale collards, dandelion greens, broccoli, exotic berries, spinach water, cress arugula, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, red bill peppers, garlic, parsley, other berries, asparagus, carrots, beets, wild salmon and sardines, bone broth, grass-fed beef, green beans, egg yolks, pumpkins, lentils, artichokes, tomatoes, wild mushrooms, seeds, a variety of seeds, raw cheese and kefir, sweet potatoes, black beans and wild rice. So, uh, these are widely regarded as nutritious plant foods, those mentioned. Of course, the animal foods, you got some of the true superstars like liver sliding in there at the number two ranking. Very nice, very nice. But we mustn't forget that the package insert coming with all the plant foods mentioned. Dr. Alvin Dannenberg, who I've had the pleasure of talking to on my show, uh, has had a real valiant battle with cancer that continues and he's done so much research and so much great communication to help others. Um, he has a new book called Eat Like Your Life Depends On It. And in that, he provides a really nice rundown about the anti-nutrients and potentially toxic substances found in plants. So here's an expert excerpt from Dr. Dannenberg's book, Eat Like Your Life Depends On It, which you can find on Amazon. Quote, some plants have innate biochemicals, which they use as protection but could damage your gut and interfere with the absorption of necessary nutrients. So I talked about how um, these plant foods have the package insert that can promote leaky gut syndrome, and they also interfere with nutrient absorption. There's something called phytic acid, phytates, which are high in grain foods, and they are it's basically a fiber, and it will strip out uh, some of the good stuff that you're consuming when you have this uh, concerted effort to consume a lot of foods high in phytates or phytic acid. So back to his quote, if you're eating a diet high in plants, an accumulation of these elements, we often call them anti-nutrients, can cause harm in your body. Uh, Here's a list of this kind of stuff found in plant foods, natural plant toxins, alkaloids, amines, FODMAPs. You've heard of the FODMAP diet. That's a diet that uh, uh, systematically restricts the abbreviated foods in this category. Um, It stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. And people have had great success on the FODMAP restriction diet by cutting out Uh, many, many plant foods that are falling into this category. You might have heard of like eggplants and nightshade category, like tomatoes and eggplants are really problematic for people who are suffering. Even some fruit falls into the FODMAP category and uh, many of the other usual suspects like leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables. Again, foods that are widely touted to have the highest nutritional benefits are also found on the list of foods that have the most potentially problematic plant toxin. Dr. Saladino categorizes them uh, as uh, roots, seeds, stems, and leaves. These are the categories of plant foods that have the highest levels of plant toxins because they represent the essence, the life force of the plant. So if you consume a plant's uh, leaves and stems or seed, um, the plant's dead. You pulled it out of the ground. You killed it. In contrast, if you consume the fruit of a plant, the plant essentially wants you to consume that fruit. It's the final offering of the plant, and then the blackberry bush will live to see another summer on the Oregon coast and another summer after that. So it's like, hey, go ahead and take all my blackberries. Uh, But when you're talking about the broccoli stock, um, that's a whole different story because once you consume that, it's done and it didn't serve its evolutionary purpose and again, it's kind of hard for me to conceive when I was exposed to this information like, wait, I know how the lion is chasing down the zebra uh, to evolve, and that's the circle of life, like the Lion King, but you're not really thinking about that when it comes to the uh, the broccoli spear, but they operate under the same uh, survival of the fittest circumstances. Okay, so um, let me finish the list. These are plant toxins, alkaloids, amines, FODMAPs, gluten, glycosides, isoflavones, lectins, lignins, non-protein amino acids, oxalates, phytic acid, which I mentioned, salicylates, saponins, sulfites, benzoates, and MSG, tannins, triterpenes, and trypsin inhibitors. (laughs) End quote. Okay, so um, this is uh, undisputed, widely understood by uh, people who study this stuff that plants contain these natural toxins. And for me, it was like, wake up call, why not put these on the back burner and emphasize the most nutrient dense foods on the planet that do not have these objections built around them and thereby uh, elevating the nutrient quality of your diet? Because all the plant foods that you pile on your plate are going to crowd out your potential to consume more nutrient-dense foods. It's like uh, having three eggs by themselves or one egg with a, a toast, right? You get my example here. If we're, if we're stuffing our face and we're doing it in the name of health with this giant pile of stir fry or having a big salad, what if we took out um, the less nutritious foods and just double down on the most nutritious foods. We would arguably have a breakthrough in our dietary nutrient density. And uh, I don't have to advocate going black and white and extreme here. Uh, Dr. Saladino, has been um, widely scrutinized, uh, either criticized or praised for his evolution from being a strict carnivore and coming out of the gate swinging, uh, promoting a a completely carnivore diet, and then having reflections over time that he was suboptimal and deciding to add back the least offensive plant foods into the diet, largely in order to get uh, the nutritional benefits they offer, as well as the increased carbohydrate intake. Because again, if you're focusing entirely on animal foods, you're not getting any carbohydrate. They're, they're containing uh, protein and fat only when it comes to an egg, a steak, a fish, right? So uh, he reports Uh, much better results, much better performance, and is now a huge advocate for adding honey and fruit, especially because these are by far the least offensive plant foods. They have a lot of nutritional benefits, but they don't have those concerns with the natural plant toxins that come from uh, the, the vegetables and the foods that have those defense chemicals. I'm pleased to present B-Rad grass-fed whey protein isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure and often contain junk sweeteners especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the Superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the Superfuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. So for me today, what role do the plant foods play in my diet? I'm prioritizing the least offensive plant foods. And for the old centerpieces like salad and stir fry, uh, leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables... I pretty much uh, eliminated them from my diet cold turkey. As soon as I finished the first podcast with Saladino and became uh, had further resolved to to do so as a lifelong transition away from trying to emphasize these foods in the name of health. And so, if you find me consuming a plant food, it's either uh, to be polite um, or as a component of a culinary experience for entertainment. Right? If it's part of the Uh, the the sauce or what have you. I'm not going to be uh, uh, freaky restrictive about it. I never really reported those plant sensitivities that so many people uh, have uh, described and experienced tremendous health awakenings, uh, none more so than Michaela Peterson, who was uh, basically in a life or death situation due to extreme sensitivity and allergy to uh, plant toxins and basically had a life-saving experience going on strict carnivore diet and um, certainly nothing relating to me. So so if someone were to force me to drink a kale smoothie or eat a spinach and almond salad, uh, those two are among the most offensive and uh, most poisonous plants, raw spinach and uh, almonds, funny enough. uh, I would probably uh, live to see another day but I do report and I've mentioned a few times on the show uh, when I got really big into my uh, green smoothies for a short period of time, several years ago, inspired by the viral YouTube video by Dr. Rhonda Patrick on YouTube, where she's uh, dumping in all these raw plant materials. So I'd go to the store and I'd buy big stocks of kale and celery and beets and carrots and spinach, everything raw, and I'd freeze it as directed, and then it would sort of turn into, it, it would serve as ice, it would it would make the smoothie cold. And uh, if you blend up everything, you can create more room in the pitcher to throw even greater amounts of raw beets, raw celery, raw spinach. And again, I'm mentioning some of the most toxic plant foods. And when I drank that smoothie, I'd also have protein powder, and uh, other things in, in the drink, right? Uh, uh, some kind of uh, liquid and um, other other such things creatine, uh, but it was a dark green, uh, super fuel smoothie. And reliably, every day when I drank that, my stomach would pop out uh, in a bloated manner for many hours, it would take three or four hours for my stomach to return to normal. And it happened every single day. And I'd often have like transient sharp pain where it would just punch me, I'd, I'd feel a, a sharpness and pain, it would go away, I'd still have the big bloated stomach. But that was um, an eye-opening experience to ingest that level of plant toxins. And again, as detailed on the video, a whole bunch of antioxidants and polyphenols and all these health-boosting agents, but it came at great expense to my digestive tract. And the uh, epiphany that I had was, if you're telling me this is healthy for me and it's causing pain and suffering every day, there's something wrong with that picture. And then you're further telling me that if I jump into the cold tub, I am going to mount a very similar antioxidant defense response as happens when I consume the green smoothie. I'm going to go for the cold plunge or the sprint workout or the strength training session. Okay, so that was my awakening. And that's where I'm headed uh, with no turning back. Just makes too much sense. Uh, these redundant pathways. That's a term that Dr. Casey Means used on our podcast, the redundant pathways, meaning that the plant uh, antioxidant defense response is uh, mimicked by what happens when you're exercising. And that brings me to a uh, major turning point uh, revelation number two, which was May 2022, uh, Jay Feldman and his Energy Balance podcast. So in, in brief, Jay does a much better job explaining the, the opening premise during his interview, so please go listen to those. Uh, but basically what we're talking about here is that um, cells want to be optimally fueled at all times to achieve optimal energy production in the body and minimize stress. So the big slap-in-the-face quote that Jay uttered on his interview with Ben Greenfield, which was the first time I experienced him—thanks, Ben, for for teeing up Saladino and Jay Feldman—he said, Fasting turns on stress hormones. Of course it does. And it's an obvious insight. Uh, By the way, keto, low-carb, time-restricted feeding— All these turn on stress hormones. And in fact, again, Jay's words, uh, this is the mechanism by which the intended benefits are realized. So we are triggering a fight or flight response when we starve the body of cellular energy. That's where we hear about these wonderful, highly touted benefits of fasting, that you have an immune boost, an antioxidant boost, an anti-inflammatory boost, because the body is kicking into genetically programmed starvation mechanisms to help you operate in a healthy, energetic manner, even in the absence of ingested calories and this is where keto comes in at the most extreme example, right? If you uh, diligently starve yourself or uh, minimize carbohydrate intake to the extreme, the keto guideline is 50 grams per day or below, your body is going to make these wonderful byproducts in the liver called ketone bodies or ketones. Uh, They are a byproduct of fat metabolism in the liver when carbohydrate intake is extremely low or when you're not eating and the ketones are used as a very efficient fuel source by the brain and have all kinds of wonderful benefits in those aforementioned categories antioxidant uh, immune boosting anti-inflammatory but again we cannot forget that these are stress mechanisms and in context of modern life hectic, high-stress modern life, we arguably have enough stress already that we don't need to pile on more stress with a restrictive diet. And a lot of people have been echoing this sentiment that someone who is healthy and active does not need to uh, load up on the stress side of the balance scale Especially in the context of performing workouts and trying to recover, uh, Rob Wolf, uh, my show with him had the one of the most epic quotes ever. He said, "If you want to live longer, lift more weights." and eat more protein. And that was sort of in the context of countering this fascination that we have with caloric restriction, and so called metabolic efficiency, promoting longevity. So the fewer calories that you can get by on, the better you are at burning fat, the better you are at making ketones will arguably promote longevity. And a lot of the calorie restriction for longevity Research comes from rat studies because we can't starve humans and test that very well. Although we do have some interesting uh, data from the opportunities that we do have to uh, look at what happens when you restrict calories. And on Jay Feldman's show, he talks about in detail about the Minnesota starvation experiment that occurred in the late 60s with conscientious objectors to the Vietnam War. So these poor guys, they didn't want to go fight in the war. So they said, okay, here's what you're going to do. We're going to send you to a metabolic ward. That's a controlled environment where they absolutely have ironclad control over the the food that you eat. And they starved these guys for uh, a number of weeks. Uh, Maybe it was 12 weeks or something. Uh, They lost a bunch of weight. They felt like shit. They lost their libido. They lost their cognitive function. They became obsessed with food. All kinds of bad things happened when they got into uh, prolonged starvation. However, they had uh, kick-ass blood ketone levels, and they had low insulin levels, and they had low glucose levels, which we are now uh, sort of overlaying on this unfit, overfed, high-processed food Uh, consuming society and saying, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we got our insulin down, our glucose down, and our ketones up in the uh, example of a keto enthusiast. Uh, But when you uh, lay those trace papers over each other, it does not make a lot of sense. We certainly don't want to starve ourselves. And then in Jay's argument, we don't even want to go anywhere near that because if we can just fuel ourselves optimally every day, Uh, on a consistent pattern where we do not need to uh, engage in prolonged fasting or time-restricted feeding, we're going to have better cellular energy production, which will turn up all the important dials that we want turned up to be a fully functioning, active, energetic human, especially in the context of Uh, doing workouts, pursuing fitness goals, and trying to recover from those goals. And when I talk about my personal example, I always mention my age in there as another stressor because I'm trying to perform and achieve fitness goals uh, at the age of 57, which is different than doing it at the age of 27. So Rob Wolf's direction to lift more weights and eat more protein uh, is very relevant at this age when we will start to uh, have to reckon with the decline that comes from things like sarcopenia, that's the loss of muscle mass in association with aging. Uh, Dr. Peter Tia comes in here with another great quote that I heard recently, where he said, I guarantee you that never in the history of the world has there been a 90-year-old walking around saying, gosh, I wish I didn't have so much muscle mass. (laughs) So this is really the battle that uh, I think, all experts are in agreement on right now, that preserving functional muscle mass or functional muscle strength would be the more accurate description as Dr. Lane Norton corrected everyone recently. Uh, So it's, it's the strength, not just the mass, but when you carry around muscle mass, it implies that you're strong. But they could be two different things, especially if you have poor muscle quality, like it's marbled with fat because you have a shitty diet, even though you do uh, a certain amount of strength training to to build muscle mass. And so preserving this functional muscle strength throughout life is widely regarded as the key to longevity as well as health span. Uh, So longevity is how many years you made it to, and health span is how healthy you were during those years. And I don't think anyone wants to raise their hand and say, "Sure, I wouldn't mind being in a wheelchair for the last 8 years and being, you know, drooling out the side of my mouth and not recognizing anybody who comes to visit." Of course not. We want health span to extend all the way to the very end and then have a, a sudden quick drop off and then check out. That would be the ultimate goal for everybody. And that is largely driven by preserving that functional muscle strength. And functional muscle strength is a proxy for metabolic health. In other words, if you have good muscle mass, muscle th- muscle strength, that means you're working hard. That means you have a nice disposal vehicle for your glucose because muscles soak up that glucose that you consume in your diet. And therefore, you can skirt free from the diseases of modern society caused by excess caloric intake, excess carbohydrate intake, chronically excessive insulin production, and all the disease patterns that ensue when you are unfit as well as eating a shitty diet. And so what I see now happening is a groundswell, sort of a grassroots uh, reckoning to rethink some of these fundamental principles of ancestral health, particularly the desperate need to engage in fasting or carbohydrate restriction if you are a healthy, active person. Dr. Tommy Wood, uh, very prescient, several years ago, he said in one of our interviews, and you can search for these on the podcast channel because I think we did a three-segment a three segment interview and I did, I did a fourth one uh, talking about all the summary insights and the wonderful information. And I would say it's one of the best places to start a health awakening journey is to listen to those shows with Dr. Tommy Wood, because they were so sensible. Obviously, he's highly trained, highly scientific, but he presented the arguments in a way that uh, anyone can grasp and follow along easily. Uh, but he said, as opposed to obsessing about uh, carb restriction, calorie optimization, and fasting, he counsels his healthy active clients to, quote, Eat as much nutritious food as you possibly can until you add a pound of fat and then dial it back a bit. And that sort of signifies that you are optimizing your nutritional intake and your nutritional benefit. Um, so I'm going to put all this stuff under the umbrella of eat more, move more, as the path to longevity and health span because when you eat more, you become more naturally energetic. You're not turning down those dials that have a very high likelihood of being turned down when you engage in uh, a fasting, carb restriction, calorie restriction. And these are dials, uh, as Dr. Ponzer conveys, uh, reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion, and locomotion encompasses all of our physical energy expenditure. But behind the scenes, we have these essential human functions, such as repair and growth, that would be, um, you know, recovering after a workout and building muscle. And of course, our reproductive fitness is a great proxy for our overall health. And when you borrow too much from uh, let's say the locomotion side, your reproductive fitness is going to suffer, you're going to have a uh, low libido. In the extreme example of elite female performers that get their body fat low and are putting out a lot of exercise expenditure, they experience uh, amenorrhea, that's the loss of menstruation. So their reproductive fitness goes out the window by virtue of doing too much exercise. And also on this list is not getting enough nutrition, not getting enough calories. So you're going to turn down these flames that we have an extreme desire to keep those flames turned up all the way, repair, growth, locomotion, reproduction. Um, you can see a great video from Mike Mutzel, High Intensity Health, highly respected interviewer and researcher and athlete himself. And the video is titled something like why I Stop fasting and what I'm doing instead. Uh, Thomas DeLauer, who's a huge proponent of of the ketogenic diet he lost hundred pounds and kept it off for a sustained period now he's Mr. Rip City with a, a very high fitness level and a lot of it um, owing to his devotion to keto and the way that he optimized and uh, got that fat off and reclaimed his metabolic health Um, He is now also rethinking the role of fasting and time-restricted eating and tweaking some things by virtue of his superior fitness level. Uh, But even when we're talking to someone who has excess body fat, wishes they looked better and felt better and were stronger... I think the message uh, that that Jay's presenting with the energy balance still applies. You're not going to get yourself out of trouble until you become healthy. And it's very difficult to become super healthy when you are uh, experiencing too much stress, perhaps part of that stress coming from fasting and carb restriction. Again, the great, incredible benefits that many people experience from fasting and carb restriction and time-restricted feeding come from uh, in, in an incidental manner or incidental category. So if you're eating a shitty breakfast every day of your life, and now you've decided to fast until lunch, and you feel better, and you're more alert, and you're more energized, hey, that's going to be a win for your overall health. But it's not because you've fasted. It's because you uh, stayed away from something that is compromising your health. Um, Jay Feldman had a good line here where he said, if you claim to feel better uh, from skipping breakfast, This means we have to take a close look at what you're eating for breakfast. Very uh, important point there. And then compare, contrast to, for example, eating a nutritious breakfast of healthy, wholesome foods. So in all the contexts, when I rethink fasting, carb restriction, I'm always referring to um, eating nutritious foods in place. Okay, And again, when we use that term, carb restriction we have uh, a lot of times are guilty of lumping all carbohydrates together and uh, denigrating that macronutrient category and unfortunately most of the offenders in the processed foods modern diet are high carbohydrate high in processed carbohydrates so let's say fruit for example gets a bad rap because it's uh, layered in with all the breads and cereals and pasta and rice and corn Uh, wheat products that we consume uh, in excess that cause problems with gut health, cause the release of endotoxins, interfering with cellular energy production, and it turns out to be a bad deal. And then someone goes on a ketogenic diet and they have a great health awakening. Boy, isn't that great? Uh, But we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and we must uh, ponder the role and the potential benefit of consuming adequate amount of nutritious carbohydrates as opposed to rigidly adhering to uh, a gimmick diet where you're throwing out everything that says carb. Okay, as I wrap up this show, I think you have a good grasp of what this energy balance concept is all about. Um, It might be more difficult to grasp if you have a little bit of spare tire and can't imagine, for example, adding back breakfast if you're in a good groove uh, with fasting or eating two meals a day, as is the title of Mark Sisson and I's recent book and recent cookbook. And again, I'm not backing away from the wonderful title and the message presented there because two main meals is probably plenty. Uh, But I talk about adding the bowl of fruit in the morning, adding the protein smoothie, and I'm still only really sitting down to two proper meals a day. And I think for most people who are minimally active, two meals is plenty. But we're talking about not needing to go out of your way to wait till a certain uh, hour strikes so that you can bank the requisite fasting hours, but perhaps eating when you're hungry and being sensible and choosing the most nutritious foods. So even if you're carrying excess body fat, uh, energy balance, Jay Feldman has a counter that it's not really a problem with eating too many nutritious calories, but rather eating foods that hamper energy production, that screw up your fat metabolism, like the refined seed oils, uh, that screw up your mitochondrial function, like the refined seed oils that produce endotoxins, like processed Uh, sugars and carbohydrates, these are the toxic modern foods. And when your cellular energy production is messed up, you're going to ingest calories and be more likely to store them as fat. So it is actually possible that getting healthy might mean increasing your intake of the nutritious foods, not worrying about calories or calorie restriction or time restriction, but just getting your energy balance correct and your energy Uh, cellular energy production correct. And as an interesting side note, which I will close with, my devoted efforts to increase my daily caloric intake and eliminate fasting in favor of having a huge bowl of fruit and a huge protein smoothie in the morning. And that protein smoothie is also high in carbs and high in fat. So I'm putting in a bunch of frozen fruit. I'm putting in my wonderful new whey protein supplement that's coming soon. And I'm putting in a whole bunch of chunks of frozen liver, and the liquid base is bone broth. So I'm getting fat, I'm getting protein, I'm getting carbs, all healthy and nutritious. I'm getting a bunch of supplements, like 24 organ pills are dumped in there. Everything's dumped in there. So doing that instead of fasting, indeed, I'm consuming more daily overall calories, I'm almost certain. Uh, My former podcast guest and primal health coach Ryan Baxter is certain because he did a devoted and highly quantified experiment of consuming 700 additional calories per day every day for a year and weighed the same, I'm experiencing the same thing, that I have the same or even better body composition, better recovery, resolution from nagging injuries, uh, all thanks to uh, increasing my caloric intake of nutritious foods. And this experiment has now lasted four months and counting. And again, just like the carnivore in my first part of the show uh, and Dr. Saladino's insights, this is a lifelong shift where I'm never going to worry about fasting again as long as I'm remaining active. And Oh, the little side note that I started this this comment on is that I've noticed that my my indulgences, my departures, my intake of sweets and treats, or whatever it is that I decide to go for. Has dramatically decreased because I'm so well fueled. I don't have any of those days where I err on the deficiency side. You know, I'm supposed to be starting my wonderful lunch meal at 12 noon. I've waited that long, but some days it happen doesn't happen until 2:30. A lot of times, I'm sure you can relate. You have kind of a rebound effect where perhaps it's at nighttime when your willpower and your fatigue levels are uh, such that you're going to go and engage in binge behavior and get in your car and drive across town to the ice cream shop and load up. And if you had taken care of business in the morning, let's say, uh, with that new habit that I describe, I have less propensity to uh, feel that depletion and that craving situation that is simply uh, a signal by the body that you've run low on energy. Okay, that's a lot to absorb for part two. I hope you enjoyed it. Email us at podcast at bradventures.com. I'd love to have you part of the conversation. And boy, those are my two big shifts, animal-based and energy balance. And onward and upward we go. I can't wait to next get into the carnivore scores chart and the descriptions in detail. Until then, keep it up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing the show. Thanks for leaving a review. If you could be so kind, that would be wonderful. Just leave a quick review. This helps us reach more potential listeners. And if you haven't already, please go to bradkearns.com, download that Carnivore Scores chart, perhaps in advance of the the next show I publish, and also sign up for our email newsletter. You get a whole bunch of PDF bonuses when you uh, complete the form, but we have great newsletters coming out. Uh, on a regular basis with uh, long form articles with really helpful information. We work really hard to uh, support the show with written content as well. And keep it in touch. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna tell you about WildHealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in you'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of dna methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging it's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal Wild Health is generously extending BRad podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com/brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com/brad.